0: Next speaker is one of the is one of the big big um, fundamental strengths that I have since I know him and uh, so, a rav that's uh, a very hush of a and somebody who has sent a lot of uh, parents here and holds them carries them with psak and with chizuk and we work very well together I, I would like to think we're a good team. And um, a very, very inspirational person, and uh, it's my to, eschus to ask B'yosef Wigler to say a few words, to be mechazik our oylem, and all the people that are watching that need so much chizuk. This moment is a moment of mysterious nefesh, meaning that a person should be on a level of giving over oneself totally to Hashem. Absolute connection with God at that point. And the whole Yom Kippur is really that. Yom Kippur is a day which is five tefillahs. And each one of those tefillahs corresponds to a level of the soul. Nefesh, ruach, neshama, chaya, yachida. And then you reach the pinnacle. And you reach Ne'ilah. And Ne'ilah means that the gates are closing. But not that the gates are closing. And you're on the outside. The gates are closed. And you're on the inside, and it's just you and Hashem together, nobody else present at that moment. That's niyela. And then when you get to the end of niyela, what it is is to be meis and nefesh, to be able to give ourselves over, over, totally, completely, and utterly to the Abishta. And um, the word "maseiros nefesh" is fascinating because the term you would have expected to mean is not Messirus Nefesh, but Messirus Aguf. Messirus Aguf is when you die al-Kiddush Hashem. So you're supposed to be thinking and meditating that I'm ready to give up my entire being, my entire self to Hashem. That would be Messirus Aguf. Messirus Nefesh is interesting. What are we giving over? Are we giving over our souls to Hashem? And that's exactly what it is. There's Messias Aguf. That's not what we Jews do. That's easy. Messias Aguf means to die for the cause. Jews throughout the ages were ready to die for the cause. Messias Nefesh is to give away the spirituality. That's a whole different ballgame. It's to be willing to give everything over to the Abishcha. Messias Nefesh. Sitting in this room, there's an energy. I don't think there's a better way to spend Erev Yom Kippur than in this room. The energy is Yom Kippur, Dick, Because the energy is one of mysterious nafesh. Let's face reality. What we're looking at is um, that if you as a parent are in a place of wanting to be with Hashem, and Yom Kippur is Achas Bashonah. Yom Kippur is Yechidash Yom Kippur is this holy moment. And then in this holy moment, it's being desecrated. It's being compromised. And it's so difficult. That's so challenging. It, it kind of like tears and rips your whole soul apart. And, and you feel a bleeding heart. And it's like crying to the Ebishtim. Like, what, what exactly am I meant to be giving you, here? A the a goof, I'll give you my goof, but you want my nefesh, you want my soul, and you know, I've had the—I don't know what it is. It's not a privilege. It's—I don't know what the word is—but having worked with with so many parents and going along the path, what you notice is that it, it's a—it's a brutal path no question of a doubt. It's a path which leads somewhere into your own soul. At the end of the Teichachah, the last pasok in the Teichachah of Kisava is And it means that Hashem will return you to Egypt in boats, in a place which I told you you'll never see again. That path is what we know as the Teichachah. It's walking a path that I told you you'll never ever have to walk. And what we see as parents is that we're walking a path that we should never be walking on. A path of an untrodden path. And you're wondering, how did I get here? What is it? And it's, it's real. Very difficult to give a speech with this energy in the room. It's another drasha. It's not drash. It's real life. It's painful hearts. It's souls that are crying out to the Yebishter. And the energy over here is real. I have to thank Rabbi Avi for really... You know, sometimes when I get the question, I'm like, the halacha is that you've got to ask a doctor for medical issues and you've got to ask um, a military professional for um, strategic army questions. It's good to have a professional in this area not sure what to call it but it's really good to have a professional in this area and just very special that Rabbi Aviv has chosen this path and really a shakoyach so the question is how do we tread this path how do we do this journey the Altarebbe the Balatanya says Hashem Mitzrayim born is called tshuva, And Hashem will allow you to do tshuva when you go down to Mitzrayim and you go on the path which you never should have gone on. And that path, which is the path of, that you shouldn't have gone on, that is the very path of Teshuvah. It's interesting how, I believe it was the, the Ne'amim I think it's told of. Someone said to him once, "How do I do tshuba?" I did a veirah, and I wonder how you do tshuba. And he looked at the guy and he says, "I don't know. How did you do that veirah? <laughs> Whatever manual you used to do that aveira in the first place, that's the manual of doing a tshuba. There's no manual. It's called. I'm looking at the sign. It's called twisted parenting. It's twisted. Twisted is the path." But It's a path which you're not supposed to walk on. But how do you know that the path you're walking on is God's path? How do you know it's the Eibesh's path? Those words which we say at the end of Yom Kippur are the key. The words are Hashem Likim Hashem Wohi Likim seven times. Seems strange. Don't you know that Hashem is elikim? Anyone here challenging that Hashem Elikim? You got a problem with that? Hashem Elikim? God is God? Yeah. What else were you thinking? It doesn't seem to be something that we're challenged by. And whilst it's very emotional to get into that state of mysterious nefesh at the end of Yom Kippur, it doesn't appear to be something so earth-shattering. But take a look at the source of this concept of Hashem Elikim When Yaakov Avinu, Left the home of his father, he went to sleep on Harimria, and in his sleep, he um, he woke up and he had a dream and he had a, the ladder going up and down with the malachim, and then he turns to Hashem and he says, "Listen, God, I'll make you a deal. If Hashem will be with me and He'll guard me on this path." and you 'll give me what I need and if I return home to my father 's home, then the Hoyo Hashem and if not, what are you what are the alternatives? If I go to Beis Lavan and i don 't get the food I need and i don 't get anything, then i 'm out. Hashem is not God, that's fair-weathered. Really? What was, what's the deal he's cutting with the ebishter? What does it mean if Hashem goes with me, and I succeed, then fine. And if not, then not. See those words, the The words Hashem do not mean Hashem is God. Because there's two different names of Hashem. Yudkei Vavkei and Elohim. It doesn't mean I believe in God. Cos you believe in God, who doesn't believe in God? It means let's understand what Yudke vodke is and let's understand what the Avoida is and what's happening, and then we can look at ourselves in a new light. Time and again, on Yom Kippur, we do we clap. and we say Al Khait, Al Al And all the way at the end of the Al Khait you say Al Shoni Arba based Din Skila What are you thinking about when you say that? If I'm liable to be put to death, capital punishment for stoning, burning, guillotine, sword, and strangling. And we tend to think of this as, well, so Hashem, if I transgressed any one of those big ones, then, well, I'm clapping our hate now. And thank God that we don't have capital punishment today because it wouldn't work too well for Avodah Zoran, for Chil Shabbos, etc. Baruch Hashem, we don't have those problems today. What relevance is it to us today? So we tend to think of our relationship with Yom Kippur as somewhere like this. There's a God up there and he wants us to do stuff. And when we don't do it, well, then we get punished. So we say sorry, and then Hashem forgives us, and then we don't get punished. And it's almost like an extern- external relationship with Hashem. It's chitzayinistik. Because you're not really doing the avoider. There's no actual change taking place. It's Hashem's going to do this from above, and Hashem, please give me a good year. So you're davening to Hashem. You're asking Hashem to give me a good year. But really, the avoider of Yom Kippur is to internalize our relationship with the Almighty, to build a connection to the Yehbishter. So the Shaila is, how do you build that deep, intrinsic oneness and connection with Hashem? Well, there's four capital punishments. And even though we don't get the actual capital punishment today, we do get the actual punishments over there. The Altar Rebbe explains it as follows. He says, what's Skila?" Skila means that you get thrown off the building and then a stone gets thrown on the person and the stone is thrown on the person's heart. That happens to us today. What do you get skila for? For bowing down to idols. Idolatry, avoid zara, gives you skila. So what does it mean? How do you bow down to idols? Most of us haven't had the experience of bowing down to idols. We have no idea what that means to bow your head to an idol. Why would you even do that? But figuratively, we know exactly what it means. Because bowing down to your head means submitting your brain. So your brain is looking up and you cause your brain to look down. And what do you do it for? External forces in the world. See, when you begin to panic in life and when you feel anxieties from things, some stuff going on around you, See what you're doing? You're submitting your head. I'm petrified. I'm scared. That's a godless experience. You've taken Hashem out of that picture. You don't feel him in that moment. Because if you feel God, what does it say? When you are angry, add to the family of angry stress, panic, anxiety, worry, the whole family of everything that entails. And so what you're doing is disconnecting. And what's the consequence? It's not a punishment. What's the consequence of idolatry? The consequence is a heart that feels nothing. A heart that feels stone. That's called getting skiller. So when you get to Yom Kippur, it's not about me saying sorry to Hashem if I did something called Avodah It's on the contrary. It's me noticing the Avodah that I'm involved in now. I'm submitting my head. I bowed myself down to the external forces that are out there. And the result of that is lack of feeling. So what happens is, when you start worrying, it's like daigis A you start worrying about things, you bow your head down to the external forces out there. And your heart becomes stone. You start getting anxious and worried. And what you wanna do is bring Hashem right back down into your life. How do you bring Hashem back down? The Rizal says that every night when you go to sleep, you should say this: Hashem, if I have high of skillets, Each one of those four corresponds to the name of Hashem: Yud, K, Vav, K. And what's the Yud? The Yud is if I don't feel a connection to God, if I lack that connection to Hashem. So every time in your life you feel a worry, you're like, "What's going to be, Hashem? What's going to be?" Vos You say, "I don't know." And I'm very worried. I'm very worried. Let yourself feel the worry. Feel it. And then allow Hashem to take over. It's called letting go. Abishta, hey, I know you're with me. You got me. I've got that relationship with you. What's Sreifa? The Rebbe says Sreifa is when you burnt. When you're burnt alive, the auto-dafei was easy. That's not what Sreifa means to us today. Srefa is when there's a fire raging inside your heart and you have no way to control it. Ever had that experience? Ever seen a child with that experience? I think we call it today addiction. It's when you have no way out and your heart feels on fire. You're being burnt alive inside and you don't know how to run away because you're already suffering the consequence. And the result is a detachment. of Srefa Herig, Vakena corresponds to Yud K Vovke. And what we want to do each and every time is to be mindful, to notice the feelings that we have, the emotions that we have in our life, and every time you have that feeling, it's to let Hashem in. That's called the power of tshuva. Tshuva means not denying the feeling that I have, but allowing ourselves to feel that feeling. It is quite incredible that what's really happening in our times is not, we're not going down. We're actually going up. When your child is off the derech, he's perhaps questioning the derech. You're telling him, come on, and the kid looks back at you like, why? So that Hashem should give you a good year? You really believe that stuff? You believe that if you fast in Yom you get a good year, and if you don't, you don't get a good year? Give me some truth. Let me see how you discovered the Abishta in your life, and that's the avoida. The avoida is for each and every one of us to look and saying, okay, I'm being high of skila. And nowadays, we don't get the actual skila. You do teshuva, and when you do teshuva, you return to Hashem. So every time you monitor your feelings, you look and you say, I feel panic, okay? I'm feeling panic. Hashem, I know that you're with me in this space. And you know we say every day in davening, you gave me life from falling into a pit. But on a deeper level, you know where you get life from? Because you fell into the pit, you can push against something and rise. If you want to get up off the chair, you push against the chair and then you pick yourself up. When you have a negative feeling, that's the opportunity to push yourself up. The Avaida of tshuva requires us to introduce Hashem into our lives, to allow Yudke Vovke into our lives, to allow God to be part of our lives. And it's like, Hashem, I feel stuck. I'm being burnt alive. I feel the Srafa. Okay, I'm feeling it. I get it. It's tough. It's harsh. Abishta, I know that you're with me. I feel your presence in this moment. What does Yaakov mean? He says, He says, if Hashem is with me, which Morani protects me on this path, then Vehoyo Hashem Lile What he means is this. There's two names of Hashem. Elikim and Yudke If you don't go through the path of life, you never get to know the Rabbayna You never get to know God. You're just talking and it's external. It's all external. But if good old Yaakov, tzaddik that he is, holy man, if I go to base Lovon and I enter that mirmo, I'll be his brother in Ramos, I'll be wily, I'll figure things out, I'll get across. Then what's going to happen? Elekim <laughs> is when God is hiding. And when Hashem is hiding, you sometimes feel stuck, worried, raw pain. It's when you're being burnt alive and every time you're being burnt alive, what do you do? You turn to Hashem and you say what Yaakov said. He's not saying, I believe in God. Of course I believe in God. He's saying, if I do this, then then I'll feel the divine power in my life. I'll feel how Hashem is my God. That's hard work. It's difficult. That's why in Davening and Yom Kippur, time and again, we say, by Yikra, Hashem, Hashem. You call up to Hashem, Twice. Hashem Hashem kill, Rachum What's Hashem Hashem? <laughs> to go deeper, to experience a deep relationship, an intrinsic relationship with the divine, with Hashem. That's not easy. Who actually said those words, the real words, Hashem Elikim? Where do they come from? Elio. Right? So Elio took a duel. He had four hundred prophets of the Baal on one side and he was on his own. On the other side. And what does he do? He challenges them. And at the end of it, he tells them, okay, you guys try diving to your Baal and see if it works. And it doesn't work. And they try, they call to their, their Baal and nothing happens. And then Elio comes over, what does he do? Note how Elio did something which was forbidden. He did a Shah, it was only for that moment. What did he do? He offered a Mizbeach, a bomber, in a place where you were not supposed to offer it. It's not in Yerushalayim. It's not in the base of Mikdash. But he had a divine message that you needed to do something which was apparently what looked like it was the wrong thing to do. What does he do? He builds a Mizbeach and he dives into Hashem and a fire comes down and eats up and consumes everything. And the fire eats up the power of the bull. And the people suddenly see. And they notice that what we thought was God, we were bowing down to some idols. We were submitting ourselves to the external forces out there. We didn't realize Hashem in our lives. We thought we were from a Yidin. We just thought we had a Baal in our lives and we were still from. We didn't notice. We were. We didn't really get it. And what do we daven? We want to download that same power of Elio into our lives. And what does that mean? To feel Hashem huo elikim. So the people cry out and they say Hashem huo elikim. But they didn't say it once. They said it twice. Because the first time Hashem told us that he was our God was at Matan Torah. Hashem came along and he says, Hashem I am Hashem your God. I am Hashem your God got the message, it's easy. That's how we didn't have been living for so many generations. Hashem elekecho. No Hashem elekecho. It's beautiful. But it didn't work for the generation of Eliyahu. It just didn't work. They submitted themselves to an external force. But when they did Teshuvah, they got to a power that they never knew existed before. And that's the power of Hashem u'elekim twice. See, Matan Torah took place on Shavuos. And what happened as a result of Matan Torah? 40 days later? They messed up. They botched up the Egel Azov, And then Moshe Rabbeinu went up for another 40 days and he asked for forgiveness and he got the Salachtikid Varecha. And then he went up a, a third time. And he came down 40 days later and he got the second Luchos. On Yom Kippur we celebrate the second Luchos. What's the celebration of Yom Kippur? It's Matan Torah, the real Matan Torah. The first Matan Torah, we said, And then what happened? Yeah, it didn't go right. So we lost the relationship with Hashem. The second Matan Torah was That's Yom Kippur. That's when the people said, They said it twice. Because one time is a tzaddik, the second time is a bal It's easy to say Hashem O'elikim. But after you've experienced skila straight for Herig and chenek, after you've gone through Gehennem, you were over Baimek abacha, walking in the Valley of Tears. And now it's like getting out of the space. If you never walked through the bar, you never walked through the pit, you never get a Chisani Mi yardivar. The best way to attach ourselves to Hashem is to push against the hard surface, of resistance. And when you have resistance in your life, that's the opportunity that Hashem is affording us to get out of it and to get better and to get connected to Hashem in a way we could never dream of possible. Sometimes you've got to build a boma of Eliyahu and you've got to get a hirashah, you've got to get a psak from a rav that it's permissible, that it's halachically the right thing to do. And if you do, you push against it and what you get a result is the second lukhois, which is a double, Hashemu Elikim, Hashemu Elikim. Isn't it fascinating? You know the story, like everybody knows the story when Matan Torah, there were the mountains, right? It says the mountains came to, uh, they wanted the Torah to be given on me. The kids sing the song. The Torah should be given on me. And Hashem said, no, I can't give the Torah on you, Hartover. Why? Because you're too tall. It's the I can't give the Tehran you, Har Carmel, cause you're, you're arrogant. But who am I gonna give the Tehran? Little tiny Har Sinai. Holy, amazing mountain that he is. Did anybody tell you the rest of the story? That after the apes to gave the Tehran Mount Sinai, what happened? Egel Azov. And it was messed up. Didn't really work. Did anybody tell you what happened on the other two mountains? Pasuk says, which were those mountains? You know which ones they were? The ones, the tall ones, the arrogant ones, that wanted the Torah to be given on them. They were called Har Tavor and Har Carmel. You know what happened on Har Carmel? Elio. That arrogant mountain, he too found God when the people came on Har Carmel and they said, Hashem Hualikim, Hashem Hualikim. And in Hartavor, there was also an event that happened. Dvoira led the people. In the beginning of Shoeftim, she led the people in Tavor. What happened? The people sinned. They messed up. And then Dvoira led them, and she led, led them to a beautiful song. They sang a song which came from the heart, came from the soul. And in that song, Dvoira says, Anoichi la Hashem, Anoichi, Oshira. So Balatanya explains Anoichi twice, right? by Matan Torah was the power of a tzaddik. But the power of Baal Tshuva is double as great. la Hashem, Onoihi Ashira. Those mountains which couldn't have the Torah given on them suddenly got the power of Teshuva. That's the path we're looking to tread on. It's a power of Tshuva. So how do you get there? Let me share with you a little story. Back in the day, the different Tsaras were in those days, Tsar Nikolai. Tsar Nikolai made a decree. And uh, it was called the Cantonist Decree. So there was forced army service for 25 years. And there weren't enough 18-year-olds in the army, so no problem, we'll take seven, eight, nine-year-olds. And he took little kids. And they were snatched away. It had to be Jewish. And every Jewish community had to give a quota. And if you didn't give a the quota, then they were snatched. Who wanted to give an eight-year-old child? I believe it was somewhere around 80,000 children that were snatched in a historic period of 20 years in those 1800s. And it was an absolute calamity. Imagine parents who are raising their kids and suddenly the kid is Tinak Shanishba literally gets captured. Those Cantonists, most of them didn't survive. They either died from all the torture they endured or they, they suffered terribly and they were, they were baptized. But a lot of them, a nice amount survived and they got out of it. And the Cantonists, when they got out, they were actually pretty um, in a good position because they were the Tsar's soldiers. So Jews weren't allowed to live anywhere. Jews had pale of settlement, certain areas where you could live, and you couldn't live in the rest of the places. But there were places you could live, and the um, the Cantonists were everywhere. A group of Rabbanim once came to intercede with Tsar Nikolai on another decree. And they came into Peterburg. No Jews were allowed in Pettiburg, but there was one shul in Pettiburg, the Cantonist shul. Only cantonists had a shul there, so only cantonists Davan over there. So the cantonist in the shul and it's beautiful, and the rabbanim come to Davan in the cantonist shul. Cantonist can't really read Hebrew properly; the Hebrew is not the greatest. So the rabbanim asked if we could lead the services. Cantonist the said, "Sure, go ahead." And they led the services. That was good for Myrib, for shachris, for musaf, and even for mincha. By niila, the cantonists walk over to the rabbanim, and they say atkan niila is that tefillah of the uh, Ahas Bashana? within the greatest level, is the Messirah Senefesh, is Yechida. They said, only Cantonists know how to dive in this tefillah. And, sorry, we can't have one of you. Okay? So the Rabbanim allowed the Cantonists to go up. Who's going to lead the services? One of the Cantonists gets up. He says, I'm going to lead. And he opens up his shirt. He tears open his shirt. And they see all over, wounds. It was raw wounds. Everything was still raw. You could see all the lashes and pains and suffering all over his body. And this cantanus goes up to the Ahmed and he's about to lead the services. He's about to start, he's got all these kadash. How do you start? Turns to the rabbi Shalaylam and he says, Rabbayna Shalaylam, he says, we cantanus coming to Davin, what should we Davin for? We should Davin for health? Eh, I'd rather be dead actually. What should we daven for? For children. None of us is expecting to ever get married. We're done. We're toast. We should daven for parnasa for livelihood. We don't need that. <laughs> Everything the Tsar gives us, we don't need anything. So we're sitting here and we want to lead the services that we want to daven. I want to pray. What should I pray for? <clears throat> you know what I pray for? All I'm davening for is that the great, mighty name of Hashem should be exalted and sanctified. In the world that He created the way He wanted to create it. And He should bring redemption to this world. The Rabbanim was sitting by and they heard the tefillah of the Cantonist. They learned how to daven. That's how you daven. There's only one thing we need in our lives. And that is to be able to experience that our relationship is only with Hashem. That's the tefillah. And within that tefillah, everything else comes about. You get exactly what you want as long as you reach. What does that mean? if I'm here to have a good child and to be mechanech and educate a wonderful child and be able to see her under the chuppah and be able to get that nachas from him, that's all me and my ideas. But what does the Abishta want? The Yebishtah wants me to channel his power to my child. That's all Hashem wants. It's a path that no man has ever trodden before. But that's the path of tshuva. That's the path of Eshiv Hashem Mitzrayim, and when we get to that path, we access divine power. The divine power of Anoychi Hashem Lekecha was powerful, but now we're going to reach. What we say in the ilah, onoichi, Lemani. We're going to double the power of Anoichi, like they did in Har Karamel. Those mountains which were told no, the Torah cannot be given on you. You're arrogant. Those children who were told no, sorry, not you we're going to show those kids that terror can be given on you too. And what it takes is me to be able to channel sometimes as long as I get a Hiravarov, a to be able to do so, to build a bama, which I'm not supposed to sometimes, to go on a path I never expected to. But when I do, I'm going to cause those children and myself to realize, if I go on this path, that's the Tzfilah, Hashem should protect us. And v'shafti v'shalom lubeis avi, because I'm an ishtam beetim. I'm a good, I'm a simple person, and I have to go on this path. If I go on this path, what's going to happen? I'll overcome all that skillasreifah the v'chenek. I'll get to a place which no man has ever got to before. That's the power of tshuva. And yes, it's difficult. It's so, so, so tough. And it's easy to talk. It's so simple to talk, but when the heart is bleeding and you have to actually go do this, it's the hardest work in the world. But at least we know that the goal is to hanefesh, to give the soul over to Hashem. To be able to return the soul to Hashem. That's the power of Tshuva. We want to get that power on this Yom Kippur. And so my brachas to everyone is just to be able to experience a return to God. A return which will be able to return the world around yeah. us. The Ashiv Chasam to be able to bring us all back to Chuba and to be able to say Hashem O'Elekim, Hashem O'Elekim and experience Ge'ula.